You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. You kind of sprung this on me, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to be ready. Ready, you're not. Benched. <laughs> you're benched. Uh, son of a bee. Yeah, yeah. Hang on, let me, uh, let me do a proper intro. Nah, no, continue. See, this is staying in. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Oh. Dude. <laughs> You look like a jackass. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. And welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. Hey, how are you, bud? Uh, just another beautiful night in the 514. Yep. Uh, too bad Friday couldn't have been that. <laughs> well, weather-wise, it was nice. Uh, it's just the, you yeah, know... It wasn't as hot as last fr- last Saturday. Oh, man. I, it was practically beautiful weather compared to, to like two set one thing was two Saturdays ago mm-hmm. against Edmonton. Wow, that uh, yeah, man, just a little, yeah. just a little, yeah. So um, yeah, so we lost. <laughs> As I said in the alternative, the Alouettes managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, I had to read that twice because I oh, I see what he's trying to get at. Yeah, 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 no. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, not only did that, that only, was a that was that was, that was a, a very bitter pill to swallow this past Friday against the Ottawa is, Red Blacks. And, and I have said, you know, I've I have said many times before where like where last week I had said with the Edmonton game that you know even though it's early in the season they actually you know game these are games that mean something. This game meant something. Uh, the you know it just seems over the past four years that the Alouettes cannot seem to take advantage of any of the opportunities that are given to them. You know, where else can you go where, A, you're on a three-game winning streak, B, a division leader Hamilton loses a game, and you can pull within half a game. And that has been the case for this, for this Alouette's franchise for the last, I said, last four years. They're not taking advantage of these things, and wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be funny, Cliff? If the if the Owls happen to finish two points out of first place, if that's yeah. the case, if that's the case, or or, or a play or, or a playoff spot, I'll, I'll put it that way, a playoff spot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, divisional games are so important, and Montreal right now, like they've they've got two two of their three wins have come from divisional opponents. They beat the the Tiger Cats and the Red Blacks mm-hmm. in Ottawa. Uh-huh. And yeah, those are games that you want to have in your back pocket just in case because playing against the West, you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, ideally, you want to win as many games as possible, of course. But I mean, divisional games are just so crucial. I mean, as you said, it, it comes makes the difference between making the getting that bye to go to the Eastern final, or uh-huh. whether you're hosting a playoff game, or even just participating in the playoffs. I mean, every every win counts and. Again, you go into overtime, anything can happen. But wow, I mean, there's just there's just so many instances where this. I I, I really felt like neither ter- team deserved to win that game, but it felt like Montreal was just more eager to hand it over to Ottawa than anything else. Uh, 
man, I, I just so, so, so many breakdowns. And again, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances as to how the Alouettes lost this game, and we'll get, we'll we'll go through that. But I, again, when you take a look at the overall from start to finish, just how things progressed for the Alouettes, or in some cases regressed. Yeah, when when I say this is a bitter pill to swallow, I. I, I, I can't overstate just how bitter that was. Yeah. Um, it is also not only did we lose the game, but we also lost uh, Vernon Adams to, depending on who you speak with, Cliff, will consider the, the hit on him from behind a dirty hit or it was just something that should have been called but was not considering the circumstances and as of today, you know, or we have found out yesterday that uh, uh, Vernon Adams will not be playing uh, because he is still under concussion protocol. And it kind of makes sense being that it is Tuesday for a, thir- for a Friday game. Um, but for those who, who didn't see the hit, because I know you ended up watching it again on TV and I saw the replay too, uh, go ahead and explain or try to set it up how, how it came to be that Vernon Adams was um, uh, was taken out of the game. Well, essentially, came in the in the third quarter. Uh, Adams was obviously trying to make uh, one of his brilliant plays happen. Uh, just decided to uh, couldn't find an open receiver. Decided to take it uh, take it by himself. Uh, slid for the. Uh, I, I don't know if he actually got. I don't remember if he got the first down or not. But no, uh, I as think he did, I think it was short. Okay, and one of Ottawa's uh, defensive linemen just kind of came up from behind and. I want to believe that it wasn't intentional, but at the same time, you still a headshot is still a headshot no matter what. Helmet right. to helmet is still something that you've got to be very wary about. And yeah, it didn't look good. It wasn't a good look uh, aesthetically as far as you know, how, how to get uh, a starting quarterback off the field. But the thing that really struck me more than anything else is, yeah, the hit happened. Okay, it's it's not good. But no penalty was thrown for a helmet-to-helmet hit. Which, again, referees don't see everything. I I get that. I mean, the, things happen in the blink of an eye. But the one thing that kind of doesn't sit well with me, and it doesn't seem to sit well with a whole lot of other people as well, was the fact that the reason why Vernon Adams was taken out of the game was because the concussion spotters that are in the stands, they're the ones that buzzed down to the, the referees and pretty much told Adams that he had to go through concussion protocol. He had to leave the field and go back into the dressing room. Right. So you can do that. You can like they've got the power to remove a player from the field, but no one seems to think about. Well, he didn't concuss himself. <laughs> How did he get concussed? Yeah. Well, obviously someone hit him in the head. If you're getting, if you're worried about his head because of a potential concussion, why don't you go back and take a look and see what happened, and as such assess a penalty for that? At the very least, there should have been a 15-yard penalty for uh, unnecessary roughness. And this is also from the same league that just was just last week announced that they are doing this new initiative uh, to combat um, head injuries and stuff like that. I don't remember what the term, what, what company that they partnered with or what they're doing, but you know, and the, the, a league that's been so, so as they claim, you know, they are looking forward and trying to stop these things, you know, uh, before they occur. Uh, but it, it's just, it was just an all in out breakdown. Um, you know, you you have your spotter there. Oh, yes, okay, I understand this to spot that, but we've seen the spotter, the eye in the sky, correct some innocuous penalties, and in this case, they did not. 
This is one that could have been corrected. And I am anxiously waiting, Cliff, to see the fines that come out from the CFL this week to see if anybody, if any particular player on the Ottawa Red Blacks happens to get disciplined. Uh-huh. So, and it was just an all-in-all breakdown, and I don't understand why. Uh, that, why didn't Kahari Jones challenge it? Well, that's another thing. He had the challenge. He certainly did. I mean, was he expecting them to do their job, you know, considering that they pulled him out from, you know, concussion protocol? Well, and that's that's where it all comes back to is if someone in the, in the stands can pull someone out because they feel the, that player suffered a concussion, like, just logistically, wouldn't it make sense to, for the, whether it's the referees that are on the field, whether it's command center in Toronto, or just anyone in the league office, put two and two together and figure out, hey, if this guy got is being taken out because he got a concussion, maybe we should find out what's going on and why why we why why do why do our spotters believe that there's a concussion issue here? And as you go back and you take a look and oh, it's because that dude hit that other dude in the head. <laughs> Maybe we should throw a penalty flag or something. Well, didn't they see the call from from the first point? Because obviously, the play if if another play is gone forward, then they can't. I get that. Okay, um, to a degree, we're talking to about a degree also. Though. And I think that if you go to a commercial, what is it in CFL? You cannot challenge after is it thirty seconds within a commercial break. I believe so. Because I think that happened earlier this year where uh, – was it was it the Owls game where, where the opponent tried to do that and they couldn't because of – yes, it was. Yeah, it was against Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's what – I mean, and maybe maybe Kahari had gone past his time and he couldn't. But I, 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 I just don't understand. For, as I said, for a league who's trying to stop this stuff and to correct this stuff, how, how poorly – and how much of a garbage job they actually did in this in this circumstance. But again, I'll be waiting with bated breath to see if anybody on the Ottawa Red Blacks happens to be disciplined. So only time will tell, as they say. Yes, uh, well, we are still talking about the game. We just want to leak some mention also that uh, we're going to be having uh, Derek Taylor, who is the voice of the of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, on with us this week. Um, so we can talk about the upcoming matchup. And it's going to be a very different matchup, in my opinion. But that's something we can talk about with him, and we'll talk about after the fact too. Um, considering you know what we just talked about with when it came with uh, with, with Vernon Adams and and uh, what his current status is uh, for the game. And besides Vernon, we find out at the end of the game, and this is really after we saw the game and I saw the highlights, Cliff, that uh, uh, our starting court, uh, running back William Stambeck went down and had to be helped off the field. Uh, as of today, we're hearing that he is a, I guess he's day-to-day. Um, that could be a huge thing this week when it comes to when it comes to who we were have as our starting. I mean, to be fair, our backup, I'm, I'm happy with our backup. I, I really am. Uh, but people are, are going to be, you know, it could be a good thing. You know, people are trying to go up against Stanbeck. I think Stanbeck's going to be starting, and unfortunately if he doesn't, but I can't. Can, can it get any? I don't want to say that. <laughs> I don't want to say that because yes, it can. Yes, it can. Um, what's what's your, what's your thought? Because I, as I said, I saw it and I was like, "What? When did that happen?" Yeah, I was kind of 
sort of taken aback by it as well. And hearing that he's now day-to-day and he might play, he hasn't been completely ruled out of the game yet either. So as of this recording, I should say. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Uh, we still have some very decent options uh, as far as uh, running back goes. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, I, I think expectations were low on him just because Obviously, you knew what the Alouettes had with William Stanbeck. Uh, you also know that Ryder Stone is in the backfield as well, and he's also able to make some plays happen. Yeah. Uh, so Jeremiah Johnson has just sort of, I wouldn't say been forgotten, but like I, I looked at him as more of like an insurance policy. Like, just God forbid something happens to Stanbeck yeah. or Stone, then at least you know you can lean on Johnson, who's got experience in the league. Uh, he's he, he's still got some wheels on, this, on, on his legs. Uh, he can still move, so I'm... In, in that sense, I'm not too worried. It's just a matter, I guess, now of is Montreal going to shy away from the running game because if, if Stanback's not in it. So that's a concern as well because you want to have as much of a varied attack as possible, especially to just to take some relief off of your quarterback, which, again, it, it's kind of funny. Pipkin has still not been named the starting quarterback. The only thing that's been made sort of official is Vernon Adams is pretty well ruled out of the game. Yeah. But it's interesting to note they haven't named officially gone ahead and named Pipkin as a starting quarterback, even though he's been taking practice with the ones, uh, with the starting units, uh, they still haven't gone ahead and said, yep, Pipkin's our guy. We're, we're going with him. And, and that's all there is to it. Like there's still a possibility. Maybe Matthew Schultz ends up being starting quarterback. Uh, uh, there's even a, little, a couple of whispers about Hugo Richard being promoted to the active roster, but I, yeah, cause we still, yeah, it's true. Cause we still need a number three now. Right. So it, it's so interesting. Uh, Gosh, I, I mean, I wish there was a, a concrete answer for all of these questions, but uh, really what it comes down to is guys like Pipkin, Jeremiah Johnson, like this is potentially their opportunity to prove their worth. And when your number is called, you've got to be ready to go. And Pipkin came into the game last week, as, as I said, colder than the other side of the pillow. Uh, he just wasn't connecting with the receivers. Uh, receivers weren't exactly living up to expectations as well towards in the second half. They weren't helping him out a whole lot either. But uh, in all reality, I mean, Pippin's got to be ready to go. And you can almost give him a mulligan for last week because, yeah, okay, he was called into action when he wasn't necessarily expected to be. He'd just gotten taken off the uh, six-game injured list. But now, if he's if he's going to be named the starter, and I, like I said, I'm going to be shocked as hell if he's not made the starter, he's got to be ready to go. He's got to be ready to lead this team like, we, like everyone has expected him to do during that uh, first game of the season this year out in Edmonton, people expected Pipkin to be the guy and he didn't quite show it in that game. And he didn't show very much to be honest with you last week versus the red Blacks. So I really want to see Pipkin redeem himself. Essentially. I, I, again, nobody's expecting him to be the next Bo Levi Mitchell or Mike Riley in one game, but for crying out loud, this is, this is the one time where I wouldn't mind him being a game manager. Just go do your job Make the plays, make the reads, and just stop looking for the highlight real play. Just move the ball downfield, use your running backs, connect with your receivers, and make stuff happen. That's that's really all I want Pipkin to do this week against the Rough Riders is just to just make some good plays happen. And you do that, this is a good enough team, the Alouettes are, that they can they can make things happen. They can make in an exciting atmosphere at Percival Molson Stadium. The defense is gonna be on on point, I know that they've they've just been incredible these past few weeks. Uh, special teams, man, well, <laughs> let, let, let's, let, let's not go there. Let's not go there. No, but, <laughs> let's not even get close to going there. But all this to say, 
we know what Pipkin ha- we know what kind of potential Pipkin has. We saw spurts of it last year. We saw a little bit of it in training camp as well. I, I think he wants it bad enough. I, I, I just ble- I just hope that he believes himself enough and that he's able to rise to the occasion and really take leadership of this team. Yeah, I, you know I'm. I, I look at how Pipkin did. He just was not didn't seem comfortable. He just as you said, and I agree with you. I think he was just trying to to make the big play. And unfortunately, he reminded me too much of of how poorly he did in week one. Um, so I I don't really have much confidence, dude. I mean, I really would rather have him maybe a Matthew Schultz. But the problem is, you say he, he, I wouldn't be I I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't if he if he wasn't main starter either. But you know, you don't hear anything about Schiltz taking any of the reps with the ones. So that that's the other thing. So I'm like, uh, okay. Um, I, I well, something's got to something's got to give. I don't have high hopes for this week, dude. I really don't. <laughs> and I, 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 I can understand that. Like, if you're going strictly based on what we saw last week in in the third and fourth quarter against Ottawa, okay, I completely get that. I, I'm as I said, I'm willing to give Antonio Pipkin a mulligan. Because he just came off the injury list and he was thrown into a, a situation. Now, again, I will also say as professional, he should be ready to go for the, these instances. Lord knows Vernon Adams was ready to go. Uh-huh. when. So, I mean, again, in, in all fairness, though, Vernon Adams is a... And so did Cody Vajardo. Yeah. Again, when your number is called, you have to be ready to go. There's no question about that. And it doesn't excuse... It's not an excuse. I'm not trying to justify Pipkin's play. He should have definitely been a lot better. But in this instance... You get one. You get one free pass, and it's been used. Like now, if he's not ready at this point, then God help us all. Because, I mean, this is a, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders team that has really been a pleasant surprise to watch. I mean, you—they're not dominant by any stretch, but they're—they're they're fun to watch, they and are, they just—they yes. like—and they're going to bring that to Montreal. And you know, they're going to want to come in here. They know this is a crazy atmosphere, and they've haven't always had great success playing in Percival Molson Stadium. Uh, but I mean, this is one of those games where literally anything can happen, and I think the writers are counting on that. I think they're banking on that, and I think they're hoping that Pippen comes in, and he's still got that deer in the headlights look that he had last week, uh, and that just can't happen. It simply cannot happen against a, a, a Rough Riders team like this. Like Montreal has to be prepared. You know, the defense is going to be on fire because they've been on fire for the past few weeks. Uh, they've kept this team in this game in in these games. They've. That's what part of what makes Montreal so fun to watch is just how this defense has played, yeah. the 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 work they've done in creating turnovers, and they they throw their weight around and they they make opposing offenses start to work. They they're scared now of Montreal. I see I see it, and they've got to work extra hard just to be able to hang with these guys. But that's not going to be worth a hill of beans if the offense just goes out there and lays an egg over and over again. And this is where Pipkin has to really step up and show he doesn't again he does not have to be the hero but he has to show that he's ready and he believes in this team and this team has to believe in him a little bit too he needs to be a leader so, he needs to be a leader you know so it's just yeah be, it's, be the leader that you can be and just just if if it takes a bunch of, of screen passes it takes a bunch of screen passes just i mean one thing we we know that it, we're ho- hoping that you know they'll take more shots downfield but I, I don't know what I don't know what's going on. I really don't know what's going on. It's just, yeah. <laughs> well, and again, this is the thing that like 
you saw what worked when Adams was as a quarterback for this team. Like he was able to spread the ball around. He was able to connect with all of his receivers and you got the running game going. I, I, like now again, he's pretty mobile as well. So he was a part of that running game. Whereas Pipkin should be a part of that as well. Like he's a very similar style quarterback to what Adams is just a little bit taller. And for whatever reason, he just didn't want to move his feet. He didn't want to get he was just stand back involved. He was waiting, 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 looking. I get maybe going over his reads, but the problem is, is after that he he waited too long in order to make that actual play mm-hmm. you know, with, with his feet. That that's what the issue was. Yeah, and again, I get it. I understand you want to be the hero, and I still remember like the first preseason game that beautiful long pass that Devere Posey. Oh to, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. I, I think that's what Pipkin is expecting to do every single time he steps on the field, and it's not going to happen. Sometimes you're going to have some boring-ass drives where all you're doing is just dinks and dunks and, like you said, screen passes and just getting down the field 10 yards at a time. That's okay. That's not a bad thing. Yes, it's boring football, and you're not going to make SportsCenter's top 10 highlights, but you know what? You're going to win the game if you take care of the ball. And that was a big thing with Pipkin is he just did not take care of the ball. He put too much mustard on a lot of his passes – uh, I know a lot of the receivers were just dropping passes too unexpectedly, but uh, I mean, again, these are just little things that Pipkin just has to sort of take into consideration when he goes into this game and don't overthink this. That's the thing. You, you've got a, a stud running back right beside you, potentially, if Stanback's playing. If not, you still got some very powerful weapons behind you. You've got some great receivers. Give them the chance, but my God, like there's just it's take care of the little things more than anything else. I think that's the big thing is just take care of the little things. Do your job. They yeah. say that all the time. Yeah. Do your job. Yeah. And that's what Pipkin has to do is he's got to do his job properly against a, a very good Saskatchewan Rough Riders team that, again, they're coming in here. They want to prove something to to the rest of the league as well. So, I mean, like you've got to be ready to go. And that's that's my hope is Pip, more than likely Pipkin will be named the starting quarterback. I just want him to be ready to go and ready to play. Yeah, uh, the the Alouettes started off well. Uh, I mean, they scored 17, uh, 17 total points in the first quarter, and it's something that they had not done since twenty fifteen. And I thought it was, I was like, oh man, could you think of it if they actually scored? If they drop, I knew it wasn't going to happen. If they dropped seven, if they ended up dropping close to seventy, you know, seventeen each quarter, seventeen each quarter, I'm like, oh, but then no, it, you know, the, the problem is is that the this you know the special teams just just took the night off those 14 points that were scored um by the red blacks that's the difference right there and beyond that beyond that is uh, even if you include those right cliff the the other problem is is uh, once again once again we have a field goal kicker who misses what could have been a winning field goal I think it was in the fourth, in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, once again, once again, we have, you know, you know, basically, you know, Boris misses another kick and which would have been three points. It probably would not. We may have not had to go into overtime because when you're going up against, uh, <laughs> come on, man, you're, you're not going to get anywhere if you're going, if you're going up against, uh, against Lewis Ward. doesn't matter where he's going to be, you know, with the amount of, the amount of field goals he's kicked in a row. It, it was all you had to score touchdowns, and unfortunately, that wasn't the case because you know we were just you know yeah. Well, there's there's <laughs> a lot of yeah. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of stalled drives. I mean, you shouldn't have to be relying on your field goal kicker to be making points, and especially asking him to make a 52 yard field goal. I mean, like 
Boris Bennett, when he's on, he's on. But when he he gets the yips, I mean, it's it's not pretty. And you're absolutely right. Like Lewis Ward is like Mister Automatic. I mean, the, like I said, I don't I don't think he's old enough to vote or drink. But I mean, he's old enough to kick uh, his way into the record books. Uh, I mean, he's just phenomenal uh, as a field goal kicker. But Montreal, I, I can't tell you. I think there was at least four or five drives where those could have easily have been touchdowns. Yeah, and they just weren't. And oh, yeah, well. whether, whether, whether you want to blame Pipkin or the receivers or getting away from the run game, any number of reasons. Well, wait, as far as wait, I'm concerned, oh, you, you forgot one there, or, or or blaming or blaming the command center. Well, there's that too. Uh, I mean, Quan Bray had himself a beautiful touchdown from uh, Vernon Adams before Adams got knocked out of the game. But uh, the CFL Command Center decided, no, no, you did not survive contact with the ground, which is complete and other BS. Uh, Garbage. Garbage. Yeah. And again, talking with other people, uh, not just, again, uh, talking with players, talking with uh, other folks in the league, they did not see anything conclusive enough to overturn that. And that's Yet, what it's that's supposed it. to be. That's what Here's the rule is supposed to be. That by the letter of the law, that is what it is supposed to be, is that you have to have conclusive evidence in order to overturn a play. And I'm sorry, there really wasn't. I Call me a homer if you want, but and again, talking with other folks, like I said, like other people who have no, no dog in the fight whatsoever were saying the same thing. Was there a little bit of movement? Very little, but not enough that where you would suggest that he had no control of the ball going to the ground. That I'm sorry, that... That doesn't wash with me. I, it does not pass the smell test as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm curious to know what's going to happen going forward when it comes to these things. Because, you know, by the way, it just seemed when on Friday, it just seemed that whenever the, whenever the command center was involved, the Alouettes, it was just, it, forget it. Forget it. There was no way, there was no way we were going to win anything, especially oh. especially that night. It just, no, no. I mean, Kahari Jones kept his uh, challenge flag in his pocket for the most part, and I, maybe he kind of felt the same way. It's like, I'm just going to be wasting my time if I throw this thing. So, yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, Vernon did well. He was, you know, 13 to 25. He had 120 yards and, and he had that touchdown. That was, it was a, that was a bad touch. That was a, sorry, uh, interception. That was a bad interception, especially coming, wow. especially coming out, out, uh, out from halftime. Not the right time to do it. Um, Pipkin, uh, it was eight to 17, 57 yards. Uh, you know, nothing and nothing there. Um, rushing it was stand back 12 rushes for 88 yards Vernon Adams with 25 uh, leading receiver was Quan uh, was it Quan Bray? Yeah Quan Bray uh, on six, nine targets, six receptions uh, also um, uh, Eugene Lewis, nine target, nine target, another guy with nine targets that night four receptions for 38 yards I um, you know we're looking at all this and, and, and how stand back how Stambeck was doing, and I understand he got hurt on the last play, but one of the things that really is bothering the hell out of me, boy, is that, uh, you know, Pipkin comes in, we're thinking, you know what, we have the means, we have the will, we have the way, we can rebuild him. Um, <laughs> that this team is going to continue what it's normally been doing. But unfortunately, and in which made no sense to me, is that it seemed to be whenever for, for Pipkin to, uh, Pipkin came in, they totally, totally went away from the from the running game and it did not make any sense and it was so frustrating. ah see i hit my mic you hit yours uh I, I, it was so frustrating that's how frustrated i am it was so frustrating that i even stood up and you were sitting right behind me 
And I basically, I'm paraphrasing, and I was, and I stood up and I just yelled, "You run the fucking ball!" It made no sense. It made absolutely no, no I, sense for them to 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 just abandon it when you have a guy who's basically is trying to play like Stretch Armstrong out there, and he's not getting anything done. I actually made a joke that uh, he was trying to like I, I felt Antonio Pipkin was trying to do his best Patrick Mahomes impression, like he's getting himself in these crazy Houdini like situations, and managing to get the ball out no matter what but you know what you're not patrick mahomes buddy like you're not even close to that i'm sorry and yeah to, I, I i had to ask like kahari knows he's got stand back in yeah. the backfield right like did yeah. he did he forget that did he just have a brain fart or something like, like why aren't you running the ball like especially too when you see that you're not connecting with guys like gino lewis and bj Cunning, guys who are sure-handed and again to their credit, they were not they were not willing to throw Pipkin under the bus. They said, "Hey, a lot of those drops are on us," and I get that. But at the same time, like that's why I, I'm I'm saying this connection has to be so important. Like you really got to be in tune with your receivers. Uh, I mean, Adams was 100% in tune with these guys. Like he, and even when he made mistakes, like he just didn't feel like, "Okay, I got you next time." And sure enough, he did. Whereas this time, like Pipkin was just just lost more than anything else. Like and. He almost was like just his body language was just suggesting like what the hell's wrong with you guys? Yeah. And it, again, not not a good look. And I really, really, Tim, want to believe that it was opening night jitters or you know whatever. I know, I know, I'm I'm grasping at straws here. I realized, <laughs> but uh, I mean, how else do you explain it? How else do you explain how a guy played so well last year, all things considered, and he just comes in here and completely <laughs> the bed? I mean. There's there's no other possible explanation for it other than coming off the injury list and he just wasn't ready for it. Like he just wasn't mentally prepared for it. Which, as a professional athlete, as I said, there's no excuse for that. But God, I just hope he's ready. I just hope he's ready this Friday. Something. To- uh, he's been you know pro, post uh, sorry preseason. He looked good as he mentioned. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some does, dude. Ever since we heard. That there was going to be a quarterback, you know, as soon as Kahari got, uh, you know, became head coach, I think it was, oh, sorry, it was before that, hearing that there was actually going to be a, a quarterback, you know, a, a, basically a tryout between, and not everybody was set as a number one, two, three, four. Something about Pipkin, just something changed, and I don't know what it is. And going into this game, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm genuinely concerned. And I've said this to you before already, is that I, I don't see the Owls winning this game with Pipkin under center. I hope I'm wrong. And I know we're, we're going way above and beyond where we're supposed to be going in this part of the show, but I have to say it now because that's how I feel. That's really how I feel. And another thing, too. Dude, look at it. The Owls held the ball for 36 minutes. 36 minutes. They held Ottawa to under 90 yards at halftime. That's how piss poor this Ottawa offense was playing. But 14 points because of the because of the, uh, the kick returns and the horrible, horrible special teams. Oh, just beyond horrible. I mean, there, and there's no excuse, quite frankly. I mean, they've been playing fairly decent all season, too. This is what I, under, I don't understand. Like, you, like, what a time to take a night off is uh, in a game like this. Like, I mean, they, the special teams, by and large, haven't been outstanding, but they also haven't, as I said, they haven't brought much to the table, but they're not taking anything off the table. But this past Friday night, that's exactly what they did. They took they took the night off, right. big time. Like they, 
uh, you'd think they were playing two hand touch the way they were. That, that was some sorry ass tackling. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, like, now I, we we got to like I'd be making these guys run. I'd be making these guys run wind sprints in practice. Well, I mean, I'm hoping he dated something. <laughs> I mean, um, my. We we want to at least give a few pauses. There were there were a lot of pauses, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, uh, both Henock and Loeffler get themselves a pick. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, a fumble return. Siante uh, uh-huh. Evans gets two interceptions. Oh yeah. And there were things of beauty. They the defense oh, yeah. kept them in this game, but the problem is it just it went back to what it was. The offense could not do anything as soon as there was a change. And I don't know if it was a mental thing. Maybe they totally abandoned something because uh, they had to, dare I say, dumb down the playbook. But you think by this time that Pipkin would know the playbook, whether he's coming off the coming off the bench or not. Uh-huh. So, but but still, I, I gotta give I gotta give props. I mean, you had people. Defense was absolutely amazing. Absolutely, Patrick, Patrick levels five tackles. Mwamba with five tackles. Greg Reed with four tackles. Uh, uh, Antonio Simmons with three. It was it was a great effort, a great effort by the defensive side of the ball. Great and, effort. Yeah, and again, what I, I love is like the the yards against have uh, for the Alouettes has keep has been going down every single week, and this was no exception. I think they held Ottawa to just under three hundred yards of total offense. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean this this is a legitimate defense. I mean. And again, I go, I go back to like our, our concerns earlier this year with defensive coordinator Bob Slowick. This guy doesn't know CFL. This guy hasn't been in a locker room in six years. Jeez, I, this this is all this is always going to set a very scary precedent. Like maybe you're better off just going and getting a guy that doesn't know the CFL from a hole in the wall. I, I mean, there's there's just no other explanation for it. I mean, yes, it helps when you have tremendous studs on defense like Montreal does. Uh, Tommy Campbell, my God, like to, you. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you right now, you talk about defensive player of the year. He is definitely in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Greg Reed, I, I, again, I'm still not entirely sure if he can still qualify for rookie of the year status or not, but uh, he's in the discussion right now. Like, like this is a dangerous defense. And Taylor Loeffler, my my God, talk about you know what? Crap on Cavis Reed all you want. I, I get it, but that was Cavis who brought Taylor Loeffler to Montreal. So if you're loving all those interceptions and the way he just flat out dummies people. That, that was a Cavus move right there, folks, yeah. bringing in Taylor Loeffler. Oh, yeah, for sure, uh, for sure. And he knocked Mwamba. I mean, we've, we, we've, sang, we've sang his praises for so long. And, my God, he comes to play every single game. And, man, it is so exciting to just watch him truck people. It is, it is a blast. Like, yeah. this defense, by and large, should be scaring every other team in the Canadian Football League. And just that alone should hopefully be enough to win games. But, I mean, you still got to put points on the board. Yeah. That's the thing is, yeah, this defense is great, and they're doing their job. There's no question in my mind that this defense is doing everything possible to win football games. But the offense has to put a couple of points on the board here and there. you got to help them out because, Lord knows, they're, if they're playing lights out like this, they want it bad enough. They're giving the offense time to rest. How many, how many years have we seen defenses for the Alouettes on the field, and they're sucking wind by the end of the third quarter? Because they're on the field half the time. The, the offense goes two and out, two and out, two and out, two and out, two and out. Nothing. No points. No no nothing happening. And now we finally got a defense that, I, again, I, I won't call it elite. Uh, it's hard to compare them to a Norrell Thorpe defense like we used to have. But I tell you what, 
it is up there. It is up there as far as just how amazing a defense this is and getting better every single week. That's the thing, Tim. This defense is getting better every single week. Right. So this offense has to – they've got to match up. And w- with Adams under center, no problem. They, they've been responding to him. But now like this, this is where the pressure really is going to come on for Antonio Pipkin. And I'm telling you right now, he's got to respond. He's got to be ready. There's no more excuses. Like I said, I'll give you last week. Last week's week, that was your free pass. That was your get out of jail free card. Now you got to bring it. Now you got to show that you belong, that you deserve to be under center. You deserve to be leading this Montreal Alouettes football team because they will play for you. They will they will move heaven and earth for you. But you gotta you gotta step up. You gotta be ready to go, and I mean ready to go. Yeah. Um, before we get to the uh, to our our interview with uh, with Derek Taylor. Uh, I want to at least mention uh, our um, our our grades for the game. Um, we I know we don't ever grade the special teams, but I'm sure both of us would give them an F minus if that actually existed on the scale, um, because they're not even worthy of an incomplete. Uh, but for the offense, what would you give as your grade for the offense for this past week's game? Depends which offense you're talking about, because there I was know. definitely two different offenses on the field. I know. Uh, if you're talking about Vernon Adams' offense, definitely B plus. Yeah, because he was rolling. He he again 17 points in the first quarter. Uh, kind of slowed down a little bit afterwards. Yeah, like, I don't know stagnant, if just, stagnant in the second quarter. Yeah, I I, I do felt like uh, they did take their foot off the gas a little bit, but and again that's where the defense was able to come in and just sort of shut things down and just keep things where they were. Uh, again, special teams notwithstanding, like Ottawa just had no answer for Adams under center. Yeah. Uh, so again, I'd give the Vernon Adams offense. I would definitely give a B plus. Uh, the Antonio Pipkin offense, D. Okay. I mean, he, he again the the scoring stopped when Antonio Pipkin came under center. Uh, I would yeah. I would, li- I would say the same thing. I would give you say probably the same grade except for the for for uh, Pipkin. I'd probably give it an incomplete. That's fair. And again, as 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 we stated, there's, there's so many extenuating circumstances as to why things went they did last this past Friday, but. I mean, it was just not a good defense. It was a good, a good offense, I should say. It was yeah. just, it was off. It was definitely incomplete. There's no question about that. Oh, yeah. I think incomplete was a, very <laughs> much a theme, if you will. I was totally not planned. <laughs> oh, it was. Many, many a truth is said in jest. Yeah. Um, and I think you and I can both agree. We, I, I would have no problem giving the defense an A in this game. Absolutely. I mean, they were on, they, they they did their job and then some. I mean, the only thing they didn't do was score touchdowns, but that's not their freaking job. Like they, their job is to rattle the cage. Their j- job is to knock the quarterback around, bat balls away, pick uh, pick off the, the the football, cause fumbles. You know, just be an absolute nightmare to play. And that's exactly what this defense was. Yeah. I mean, they there were so many bend but no break moments. I mean, and in all reality, this defense only gave up. Uh, what last last fourteen? Yeah, uh, in all reality, I, so I, I I say a lot. Eleven points. Yeah, eleven or twelve points. Like that's really all they gave up. I mean, they damn near pitched the shutout again. I mean, like this is a, the the number of yards of offense that's been allowed over the past few weeks has been gradually decreasing. Uh, I mean, this defense is doing its job. There's no question about that. Uh, again. A plus, well, not A plus, but I mean, an A grade I think is definitely more than fair for this this defense. I mean, they are they are playing on a level that I haven't seen in a long, long time here in Montreal. And now it's just it really does come down to like special teams has to be way better. There, there's no question about that. Like, 
I'm really hoping that was just a one-off. Like, that was just one night they decided to take off and they'll be back to their normal selves. But this offense, especially if uh, Pipkins at our center, has to be better. There's just there's no two ways about it. Like, you've got to be able to create opportunities and make plays happen. And that's what this Alouette's offense has been about with Adams, is he'd make opportunities happen. He'd, if, if he doesn't find an open receiver, he tucks it under, uh, he tucks it in his arms and he, he goes for a run. Uh, he hands off the ball to stand back and he makes things happen. I mean, like that's that's what it's all about is creating opportunities over and over again. And that's something that Pipkin is just going to have to learn and learn fast. And if he's starting this game on Friday against the Rough Riders, that's what he's going to have to do is just create as many opportunities as possible. Use the tools that are w- around you. Use the weapons that are at your disposal. That's what a good offense does. And I, I want to believe that this was a one-off time with Pipkin and that he's he's got it. He understands it. And, well, I guess we won't know until Friday night, but uh, that's that's what I'm hoping for, is that it finally snapped. It finally clicked in with him that, hey, I, I got to be better, and I will be better. So that's that's my hope come, for this coming Friday. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Friday night, we have uh, uh, we have that the interview with uh, uh, with uh, Derek Taylor, as promised, and uh, when we're done, uh, we'll finish up the show. Online with us now is the, the uh, a gentleman who is the, uh, the now the voice. Of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I'm live with us now. It's Derek Taylor. Hey, welcome, sir. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. We got to ask first and foremost, how is it now getting used to now being the voice? I mean, I know you've worked with TSN before and stuff like that, but how, how is it now actually concentrating specifically on the Rough Riders and being the, the radio voice? It's Oh, it's great. The game's live, being able to run through all the emotions, and the, the games this season have been tremendous. Like, Apart from the Calgary game, there there haven't been any really unentertaining ones. Even running Toronto off the field is pretty entertaining. So yeah, there have been a lot of great games and some great moments to call between return touchdowns and 98-yard touchdowns. And I can't believe Shaq Evans caught that. And Odinson has 10 sacks. There's been a lot to get excited about for uh, for Ryder fans and, and for me as well. So it's been it's been fantastic. Have you done anything different when it comes to getting ready for a game? Because they said before it was with your your stat stuff that you were doing for TSN and stuff like that. But how do you how do you has it changed in any way how you're preparing now to uh, uh, to broadcast the riders? Not a ton. Uh, I do have a couple of guys who end up charting uh, you know three of the four games a week for me, which takes I mean that takes. 15 hours of work off my plate and I, I wouldn't be able to do it without them. So that part is different. So I haven't got exactly the same level of, you know, knowledge of teams across the league that I would have last year when I could focus on, you know, every team and every game and every play. Uh, but I mean, I still have access to the data and I can go back and look at, Oh, what's, what's this been like? Oh, what are, what are Josh Weineke's targets look like this season? I can go back and, and click through those pretty quickly. So, uh yeah, I still try to do all that, and I have a lot of those stats on my 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 game board. My one that you know, here's the defense, here's the offense, here are all the players. So right. I, I have some of that, but just not to the same depth I was able to that TSN. You know, my hours there allowed me to. Does it uh, does it bother you that you don't have as much time? I mean, as I said, but I understand again. You're you're the new, you're the voice of the writers now, but being having done so much of that in the past, does it bother you that you don't get to do that as much as you used to? A, li- a little, a little bit, because I really like it. Yeah. Like when I sit down, when I sat down and I started charting out the the Alouettes, the Red Blacks game. Oh man, I'm in my element here. Okay, here we go. They're three by two with a running back, uh, and four man rush and five man block, and oh, it's 
He was at field three, and he ran a little out pattern at this point. Uh, I just, whatever it is, I really like that because maybe there's something about being able to pay attention to it at that that granular a level. And then the numbers that it kicks out, you can go, oh, oh, well, look at this trend or look at this thing that's happening or look how amazing William Stanbeck is after guys hit him. Oh, my goodness. You, you really get a, a better sense of it. So I, I wish I had more time, but then when I had more time, I wished I had even more time because there's a whole other level of stuff I would love to be able to pull out as well. Right, right. Now that makes sense. Cliff. All right, Derek, <clears throat> Derek when you took over the job from uh, Rod Peterson as uh, the play-by-play announcer, uh, obviously you were going to take over someone who we've known for a good long time and Ryder fans have known for a good long time. Like He was, I guess, a comforting voice, so to speak, at, at times. Now that you've assumed that position, uh, what's been your impressions about trying to dictate things for Ryder Nation, like trying to be their voice, so to speak? Like, What's the one thing that really stands out for you calling games for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Oh, it's it's that people are interested and curious about everything. They they want to know, oh, what what? how is John Ryan when he punts it in between the the hash marks as opposed to outside the numbers or how is Paul McRoberts on the practice roster? Because I saw him make those four catches that day at training camp. There's no piece of information that's too small. And maybe sometimes I feel like, Oh, am I doing a disservice by not talking, you know, way more about Cody Fajardo and the quarterback situation, but there are so many interesting guys and interesting players that people want to know more and more about that. I go, "Eh, you know what? Let's, we're going to talk about fourth-round pick Charbel DeBeer, who gets on the roster for the first time. And we're going to talk about Karen Vaughn when he flipped that guy over onto his head in the BC game on a field goal attempt. You know, it's, it, it's that. There's, there's, no, there's no level at which Ryder fans are not interested. And has uh, Ryder Nation, what would you say is the, the biggest thing with them? Like, obviously, they're a very passionate fan base, and uh, I think a lot of people would agree. Uh, you either love them or hate them. What is it about Ryder Nation that just makes this job so interesting? Oh, it's it's that they they want they want to know more. They want more, and they want more, and they they love knowing about football. So they're they're as curious about it as I am. So that part works really well for me because I want to know how this works, and I want to know what this guy's thinking in this moment. And they're they're right there with me on that. So uh, I really like that they're. I really like that they're so very interested in this team and there's no uh, level of nerdiness that I can get that, that someone is that someone doesn't want. Everybody wants to know, Oh, okay. Well, well, uh, Gabe is a better kicker than I thought he was. Oh, this is interesting. So I, I really appreciate that about them. Okay. All right. Now, obviously there's been a quite a few changes recently uh, with the, with the writers uh, roster. Um, first thing I wanted to ask you is obviously you start the season with Zach Caleros as your quarterback, and then he goes down and, uh, and then not summarily traded after, I guess, being declared healthy. And I say it that way on purpose, but still, um, <laughs> um, and now Fjardo as your, as your starter, um, what's your thought on the change of uh, how the team played when it was, uh, Caleros versus Fajardo under center now? It's, it's tough to tell because I really thought there'd be, I thought there'd be big changes from how last year went for, for uh, Zach to this year. And then this year we only get three offensive plays to see, okay, well, I don't know if there's been any change because one was a running play. I think the second one was a penalty on Delvin Bro, and then Caleros gets, gets the brain injury on the third one. So we didn't really have any time. But when I saw, when we watched Zach in training camp, we thought, oh man, there it is. He's accurate. Uh, apart from the the scrimmage game, he's super accurate. The ball's on time. The ball's on target. This 
this could be good. And I like to tell people, oh, I'm on Kalaros Island. Let's not kid ourselves. Zach's, Zach's a really great quarterback, and he's ascended these incredible heights in his career, and there's no reason to think he can't do it again. And then three plays in, it's over. You go, oh, well, we don't really have any proof. <laughs> don't have really any, we have zero proof on what Zach Kalaros is in 2019 and zero proof what he is under this, you know, what feels like a new offense under Stephen McAdoo, though it's the same coordinator. So we kind of only have, when we look back at the 2019 season, we'll, we'll remember it as Cody's season because apart from three plays and then a little bit of action for Isaac Harker, it's been all Cody all the time. Right. And and obviously we've seen some some crazier trades in the CFL, but last week when Cliff and I heard about the trade over to Toronto, uh, that seemed very similar to another particular quarterback trade to Toronto that we had heard about, oh, I don't know, just a few years ago. Um, how do you think the, the Riders came, uh, came out when it came to this trade? Do you think they won? Did they lose? Or it just both teams lost? I... I think they both got something. I, uh, we talked about it here. We talked about it on my show. Can you imagine the day Zach Kalaris goes back to practice for the Riders? Goes into practice. Oh, and we would have just bombarded them. Oh, is Zach with the first team? Is with the second team? Oh, Zach, how do you feel dealing with the second team? Zach, are you okay? Is everything all right with your head? Cody, how do you feel about being the first team quarterback? Do you think Zach's trying to steal your job? We would have been relentless <laughs> with that. So, I don't, I don't know how much it, it weighed into their decision, but the amount of external pressure they would put on Cody Fajardo and the offense and everything if Zach had showed up at practice again would have been incredible. From the blogs to the great radio shows to, uh, to the podcast, everything. So I feel like the riders, not that Zach was a headache, but just the presence of your starting quarterback who lost his job due to a head injury returning, I think would have been an incredible weight. So they, with what Cody's shown, they thought, Oh yeah, Cody can do this. We have no qualms about can Cody do this. So maybe, maybe we see what we can get for Zach and they end up getting a fourth, maybe up to a second round draft pick. So you get something and you get a little salary cap relief and, in the end, you have the quarterback you want in Cody Fajardo. It's funny you say, you just said headache and head injury in the same sentence. I don't think that was on purpose. Oh, that's but, right. but, but <laughs> that still. was not over. <laughs> um, but I still ha- I have to at least ask, because I know Cliff and I were talking about this too, um, based on the amount, of, and I understand that he is now with Toronto, but I know you, you'd seen him and you saw what he did and what's happened to him recently. Considering the, the amount of concussions that – uh, that Calaris has had, do you really think that he should be playing anymore? Um, I think I'm, I'm different from, from folks on this because we've had folks on our show say, absolutely not, Ryder should never let him play again, Zach should retire. I am super uncomfortable with taking food out of a guy's mouth. Right. And I don't, I don't know Zach's educational background. I don't know his entrepreneurial background. But jobs where you make three and 400 grand a year, uh, I, I still would like to have one of those. I've never been, I've never had a sniff of one of those. I would love to have one. They don't come along often. And when you think about pretend, pretend this is me making this up, pretend Zach and his wife had a conversation of, Hey, if you slug this out, if we slug this out for two more years, we can bank, you know, X hundred thousand dollars. And that gives us a real cushion. Just how much money that is and what it can do for your life going forward. I would be super uncomfortable with taking that out of a guy's mouth, I, I kind of bring things back to money. Yeah. But then there's the killer competitive aspect of it. Like, so, remember Ricky Ray when he uh, 
he came back and then he, I mean, he ends up breaking his neck essentially. Right. And he, when he retired, he said, you know, if I had left after last season, I would have always wondered. So it's, it's better that I went out this way. And I thought it's better that you broke your neck than retired wanting to play more football. <laughs> it, and that to me showed me just how strong is the allure of, I want to play football. So, I mean, brain damage is clearly not good. How much worse can it get? What a doctor tells Zach. You, you just hope he's making a, a very educated decision uh, with all the current available information about his health going forward. Because we all want, you know, all, all 45 of these guys on every roster uh, on game day to, to get out with, you know, 30 years down the road, they're, they're still in one piece. Right. But wouldn't you, I mean, and, and in return, if you would receive, say for instance, if the writers did a trade with somebody and they in return got a, got somebody, you know, a, a star or whatever, who is currently on, on the six game injury list, wouldn't you crucify them? Because I mean, it's, it's a little weird in the CFL where you can trade somebody who's summarily on the IR for a short period of time. It just, it just seems really weird how, how the CFL can, I guess, can allow certain things like this to occur. Well, I mean, the NHL allows you to trade guys who, who are never going to play again, right? So it's not, it's not like the Maple Leafs traded for two separate guys that, that will never play in the NHL. They just have to pay them a bunch of money. So it's, it, is, it is a little weird, I'll give you that. But, I mean, Zach was back at the point where after five weeks he could, he could have practiced again. So he can go to Toronto and practice, and then he could come off six-game injured list and then – Interesting would have been if he'd come off six game, who would have been dinged for his salary for that time? Uh, how much would have been the Riders and how much would have been the Argos? Good point. Is something I literally just thought of right now. Yeah. But I think Toronto knew what they were getting into. He'll come on after the bye week. We'll figure it out. So it shouldn't be a problem. I, I think everybody went into this with their eyes open. Okay. Cliff? All right. Well, uh, last week it was all about uh, the trade for Zach Claros. And now yesterday... Yet another trade from Ryderville. Uh, you guys now are the proud owners of one Kenny Stafford. Uh, yeah. Talk talk to me about that trade, about how Christian Jones ends up going to Edmonton and uh, Kenny Stafford, who we've known for, we've got a good history with uh, here in Montreal. Uh, mm. Now he's the latest writer. So what are your thoughts on that trade? Yeah, I'll ask you some guy, you guys some questions about Kenny and how he left Montreal in, what was it, 16? Uh I Christian Jones, he was injured for a couple of games and then wasn't able to get on the final, the 45-man roster. They would bring him, brought him to BC, they brought him to his last game, but, but he was the scratch, right? So with the way the return game was going and the depth they have at the return game with Lucius Purifoy on kickoffs, Thigpen and Moore back, you know, when we have two punt returners back, they, they felt like they had enough depth there. And Jones wasn't offering anything other than returning so he wasn't really going to take name and roosevelt off the field though that's nominally where they put him on the depth chart so they said hey we we're covered in the return game and we can trade christian straight up for kenny and kenny's such an interesting character in the cfl and that he's 11th in the league in receiving and yet he was completely expendable apparently according to the eskimos he's he's played multiple positions uh, he played the boundary wide receiver he played boundary slot back he's played the field side slot back He's been the field side wide receiver. He could go into probably any of four spots for an offensive coordinator he played for before. You see how this was really good depth uh, value for the riders. And there's a chance he plays this week because Shaq Evans didn't practice on Tuesday after spraining his ankle on Monday. And Kenny Stafford would be the guy to go in for Shaq if he can't play on Friday. So 
it, you see how one, how fortuitous that is, and two, how it's you know if maybe Kenny doesn't get on the roster, but you've exchanged a guy who held one role for a guy who could hold four different roles. So uh, I really like the deal for the riders. It just Kenny's a guy you just kind of have questions about going. How is he expendable to all these teams all this time? Is it strictly because he's American or? Or what's happening here? Because that's a dude who can make some plays deep down the field. No, you're absolutely right. And I, again, I've I've known Kenny for a long time. I've been a huge fan of his for years. Uh, when he was even when he was playing like his first go around in Edmonton, where he won the Grey Cup, uh, everywhere he's gone, I, you're absolutely right. There's always been some sort of extenuating circumstances, uh, whether it's fair or not. It just that's just sort of unfortunately the optics of it. Uh, in all reality, the guy is a fantastic player, and I know he's going to fit right in with Ryder Nation. Like they're going, they're going to love him, just like his cousin Duran. He could be a little bit much yeah. at times, but I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the juice is worth the squeeze. I, I think Ryder yeah. Nation is getting a real weapon in him, and like you said, he's been extremely productive for Edmonton thus far, even though he's sort of overlooked by guys like Greg Ellingson and Devaris Daniels, who's still injured, by the way. So I'm, I'm again, when you talk about him being expendable, it's it is a little baffling, but uh, you're absolutely right. I, I I think he's still very much a potent weapon to have. And, yeah, I, I'd be shocked, quite frankly, if we didn't see him in Montreal this Friday. Yeah, it, it'll be a matter of – the question will be, and when they, they brought him in, it was how are they going to get him on the roster, right? How will we get another American receiver on there? When it's Shaq and Naaman and Kyron Moore and Manny Arsenault. One, you could plop him in directly for Manny Arsenault, but what are the ripple effects of taking Manny out of the lineup, a guy who – they can't stop saying good things about how he is as a, as a locker room influence. Kenny would be a totally different weapon out there, but you would lose something with Manny. You're not taking Shaq Evans off the field, barring injury. You're not taking Kyron Moore off the field, barring injury. And you're probably not taking Naaman Roosevelt off the field, barring injury. So there's a limited number of spots without an injury that, that you can get him on. And that's, that seems to be what he keeps running into, right? Like that, that Edmonton team, Greg Ellingson will never come off the field. DeVars, if he's healthy, can never come off the field. I wonder if, if, if they have plans to use Tavon Smith more, and they just went, you know what, we're, Kevin Elliott is good, but we're going to run two Canadian, two Canadian receivers and uh, use it that way, and then we'll work from there. Uh, and if that was ultimately his undoing, because uh, Stafford, yeah, so sorry, Daniels, uh, Ellingson, Elliott, and Ricky Collins Jr. I, I could see why Stafford might be expendable, though I may not necessarily agree with it. I could see why a coaching staff might come to that. If you look at the the Alouette situation, sort of like with Quan Bray with the Devere Posey on the IR, what's going to happen? We're going to run to that same situation too once Posey yeah. comes off six games. So it's going to be how are the Owls going to have to deal with that too? So I'm, I was looking at his history too, and it always just seemed to be he seemed to be at the at the uh, Stafford used to be at the I think it's the right place at the wrong time. <laughs> That's what it seems like. because yeah. I, I think Cliff and I will both remember the first time we saw Stafford is the, and remember him is catching that long ball in the preseason game for a touchdown, and he gets cut. So or mm-hmm. it gets put on onto the practice, but we never see him again. Basically, so and yeah. and, and obviously his I guess his quote unquote claim to fame in Montreal is the heated exchange in 2016 uh, with Rakeem Cato. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you you wonder, if, is he hard on teammates? Is that why he's expendable despite being very talented? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a real question because there's no doubt, like, he was the, 
deepest targeted receiver in the league in 2015. He was a deep ball threat in 16 and 17, and then it just got ground down slowly in the last two seasons to where he is, his average target is less than 12 yards downfield, which is not very deep at all. You're like, oh, is, he, is Edmonton just not using him in the way that he's best set up to because they have other options and, well, because Trevor Harris doesn't throw the ball real far down the field. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not the weapon for us, but, man, uh, if the Riders are not short of deep ball threats, and, but you could always use one more, right, and Cody can sling the rock. So if you have Shaq, balance your offense out, pretend uh, Kenny's the field-wide receiver. Shaq on the boundary side, Kyron and Kenny on the field side, you could really make some stuff work. Yeah, and and it's funny you bring up the you know starting quarterback, wide receivers going into this week's match uh, versus the Alouettes. Uh, the this game is, in my opinion, is it, it's not as. I think the storyline is not as big as it would have been if, uh, you know, with Vernon Adams uh, on the snide, with him being out because of concussion protocol. Um, I think you, Cliff, I think you agree with me on this one. Is it, this just isn't, I don't think it's going to be the exact same game as it would have been if Vernon had been under center, right, Cliff? Without question. I think uh, it changes a lot of things. I mean, also, too, I think we were kind of preparing ourselves for, Zach Caleros, and then lo and behold, he gets traded, and now we're seeing the rise of Cody Fajardo. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to make for an interesting match, I think. Uh, Derek, what do you what's your take on the match so far? I mean, I'm sure you kind of went in with the same idea that you were expecting quarterback A, and now there's a good chance yeah. that we're now going to be dealing with quarterback B. So, of of the many different possible storylines that this matchup is going to bring, like what's what's intriguing to you about this game on Friday? Well. I'm, I want to know if William Stanback is going to play or not because, one, for selfish reasons, I want to see that dude live in person. But, two, that is a dramatic difference. Uh, as much as Jeremiah Johnson is fine, he is not William Stanback in all those yards after contact. Like, this this uh, offense with the right quarterback is, is set to fly because Geno Lewis, B.J. Cunningham, uh, Quan Bray, like you mentioned, Josh Weineke does some good stuff. This offense is really has some real potential. And uh, don't get me started on the defense and those cover five in that defense. Well, six with levels. That's, that's a real team, a team I picked to finish second in the East. So I kind of wanted to see this, you know, full on full. But oddly enough, Montreal getting its starting quarterback back is going to be a real, looks like a real downtick in their offensive efficiency this, this week because Pipkin, when he came in, granted that was coming off the bench and it was coming off injury, but Pipkin did not look the same as Vernon uh, at all. And as much as I had high hopes for Pipkin uh, this season, I was counting on, on a lot from him, thinking I was kind of a genius going, oh, Pipkin's got some stuff. It, it hasn't materialized yet. But I, I'm, I really want to know about Standback because, man, that guy is the straw that stirs the drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, without question, like the, the, the way he came up to – You've got to be some kind of talent to be able to replace a Tyrell Sutton, as far as I'm concerned. And he had done that and then some, like literally came out of nowhere. And then that 200 plus yard game against Hamilton, I I mean, that's that's how you become a star in the Canadian Football League is nobody knows you from a hole in the wall. And then all of a sudden you you go balls to the wall and just ball out. And next thing you know, you your name is on everybody's lips. And in Tim's case, on uh, on the back of a jersey. That's right. (laughs) Well. Well, because it was Sutton and Rutley last year, right? And those are two real running backs. And you go, hey, you know what? You can both go because we have William Stanback. You go, Whoa, 
that is a real move. Yeah. And you can get Jeremiah Johnson for some depth, but man, to go, yeah, you can both, you can both leave. We'll be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Sutton was on TSM's top 50 list this season before. And now who cares? Because we have William Stanback and you don't. And if there's a better running back in the league, I haven't seen his pass catching numbers out of the backfield. I don't know if he's the weapon that, that perhaps Aaron Andrew Harris is out of the backfield uh, into this week, 11 for 37. So not, not the same, but what he's able to do uh, getting hit in the backfield so often, it's like, yeah, that's fine because uh, I'm going to make two yards after, you know, I'm going to make four yards after contact and if you get me in the backfield, that's fine because I'll just turn this into a five yard carry. It's, it's ridiculous what he's able to do so far and not in that James Wilder 2017 way where Wilder gets touched in the backfield and races 75 yards for a touchdown. These are real, this is real grown man contact that he's busting through and, and making people look silly. And then I saw him, we were doing the show on Monday and I turned and go, why is Ted Laurent on the, on the, uh, TV here, and it was William Stanback because he's enormous through the traps. That's a mm-hmm. big dude, and I don't oh, yeah. ever want to have to be anywhere near tackling him. Thankfully, I'm a radio broadcaster. <laughs> I, I agree, I, and I, I've stood next to him numerous times. Like I, man, I, like do you, one guy here reminds me of right away Jerome Messam, just in his style of play yeah. and his size, and just the fact that he, like you said, lowers the shoulder and just trucks fools over. It's it's tremendous to watch, and then. Even after that, he can turn on the Jets and he flies. Yeah. That's the beautiful part. Like yeah. this is a pure running back, uh, like the truest running. This is a CFL running back, and what what a treat, what a find. <laughs> well, and, and you watch him and and look at it and go, this does not look like he's he's destined for this league for very long. Just the, how well he moves for his size, like 230 pounds running like that. And if if Montreal does somehow manage to keep him how he could be good for a long, long, long time. That's that's our hope. But then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, we, we didn't hear anything. Uh, you know, I, you know, Cliff and I were at the game, and then we hear otherwise uh, after the game that on, literally in the last play that he fumbles the ball, he has to be helped off the field. And I think Cliff and I were like, oh, crap, now what? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but uh, according yeah. to according to Herb Zerkowski today, he actually said, uh, Kahari said he's, I guess he's day-to-day, he could play, but... Like you, uh, I'm wondering if he is going to be playing or not either because, again, this it totally changes what this game could be this week. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's, and it, injuries do that to every – seem to have done it to every game this season. They happen every year. But, yeah, it, it would be a shame. It's, it's unfortunate, right? The other teams had two buys before the Alouettes even had their first, which I thought was a weird quirk in the scheduling. Uh, just nonstop games, and it looks like, uh, is it the first week of September they have off again? Uh, it's it's going to be a while before their next bye week, and then uh, eventually they'll get some of the cupcakes in the schedule, uh, Argos, Lions, but it, it ain't yet. Actually, actually, Derek, the, uh, that would be the Owls' last bye week. They had two bye weeks within five weeks. Did they have the opening bye week, too? Oh, no, they had week two. Yeah. Oh, week boy. two, yeah. That's right, yeah. So yeah, having because they're they've only played six games so far, which is just I don't I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's we're all praying for that tenth team. <laughs> oh, yes, I had that backward. The Alouettes had two bye weeks before BC had their first. Oh, there. Okay, it is. now yeah. I'm ca- now I'm catching up. I had that backward. Okay, because <laughs> BC just on bye this week, and you're like, wait a minute, haven't the Owls had two already? Yep, they have. So, 
So how, do, so how does it change your thought going into the game? Because as I said, uh, and I, Cliff and I have already talked about how we feel when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, with Pipkin being our starting quarterback. Uh, you, I looked at him how he was. I know you said it was because he's just coming off the, off the bench. He was, he was cold. You know, he's just coming off the IR. But then again, then I look back and see how he played through the first three quarters or whatever it was of, game, of, of week number one. And thinking, yeah. oh, I think we're in trouble. Let's hope may- it would be nice to see Pipkin as as the number two uh, with Matt Schiltz being our number one. But then again, I can't say he can be number three because we still don't know who's going to be our number three this week just in case. So, um. Yeah. I See, watching Pipkin last year, he was the guy that I, I just in my mind I went, oh, you know what? I really like a lot of stuff he does. And, it, and then I went back into the numbers and I went, well, there's not really a ton of reason to. His accuracy is is nothing special. It's below average. Yep. His completion percentage isn't tremendous. But you watch him stand in the pocket and go, "This guy is calm as can be." And it's it's not that he's he's not Brandon Bridge throwing the ball eight feet over a guy. He he doesn't miss receivers in the same way that a guy like Bridge does. And he's not the same you know r- lethal running weapon that that other guys are. But when I watch him, I just go, "I really want to like this guy because man." He just looks like Bo Levi Mitchell, cool under fire. And he was under fire a ton last year. Yeah. And again, I mean, in the one part of the game he played this year, he was under pressure 50% of his snaps, which is totally unsustainable, you know, for any degree of success. So I honestly, I'm still holding on to protect him a little better, get his rate of pressure down to, if it got down to 30, let's see what he can do. Because at, at 50 and 50 plus, there's just, there's no chance for him at all. You have got to keep bodies off him. But I, I still want to believe in Pipkin, and I can't necessarily tell you why, but it's probably that he just looks cool when he's, he's under fire. Okay, so once again, game's on Friday. Uh, Fajardo Mania now is running wild in Saskatchewan. Uh, oh, yeah. There's so many interesting aspects to this game as it sits right now, regardless of who the starting quarterback's going to be for Montreal. What do you think are going to be the, the major keys for Saskatchewan to come out of Montreal a winner? Oh, uh, they need to start creating some turnovers. I don't know. I don't know how you create turnovers other than, hey, guys, play better. But the Riders are, are they, I haven't seen the latest numbers. If they're eighth or ninth in turnover differential in the league this season, that is absolutely the opposite of what we would have expected. Um, they need to find whatever weak spots actually exist in the back six. For the Alouettes, because man, those coverage units from Tommy Campbell to Siante Evans to Reed, Patrick Levels does some really nice stuff. There aren't a ton of weak spots on that defense. Cody Fajardo will say, "Well, they're going to keep me short. They're going to play zones." Blah blah. Uh, He said before, and then torch teams deep. But I mean, how do you get around that boundary side, which looks oh so tough in Reed and Campbell? That'll be a real thing for Coach McAdoo to figure out where they're going to come from, how well can they run the ball, because running the ball with the running back has been very inconsistent for the Riders this season. William Powell, I think, is tremendous, but three games where he's been 50 yards or fewer. So is, is running really the thing? They say they want to establish the run, but really it's the, it's the passing team that just happens to have the lowest pass-run ratio, I think, in the league at this point. So Cody's got a Cody's got to make his things happen and potentially without his biggest weapon in Shaq Evans. So how will they fill in for the loss of Shaq Evans if, if he can't play? And uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for with, with Saskatchewan. And then 
for, I mean, for Montreal, like we talked about, everything is about who's available to play. And, oh, my goodness, the game is so much different depending on who's at quarterback. Well, we know who's at quarterback. Who's at running back will change the game oh so much. Yeah, that, that's true. I, I was trying to look at the stats here real quick, too, because I know that uh, I know the Saskatchewan's had, had – they've made 13 turnovers, which puts them fourth in the league. I was actually trying to find out what their defensive uh, – they have fumble, here we go. Uh, interceptions by... They have four, maybe five. They have four, and then they are last when it comes to no fumble recoveries. So Okay, here they are. Yeah, eighth in turnover ratio because Toronto's atrocious. Yeah. Minus eight for the season, <laughs> which yeah. Montreal leads it at plus ten, which Montreal is where you want to be. That's probably not sustainable, but that's where you want to be, right? Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, it's it just... We just have to have to have everything to go right, and then it's one of the other things that that Cliff and I were commenting about too is that you know they they bring in our, our and this is this is gonna be a huge thing especially for this week is that as soon as Pipkin came in they stopped running the ball which made no sense whatsoever which was super weird right yeah I mean I, yeah the Pipkin was basically he was uh, uh, I think he was trying to do his best imitation of Anthony Calvillo tur- turtling and trying to run around. <laughs> It made no sense. It's like he was just trying to make a play to make a play. You just not. I, I just didn't understand it. They just need to stay consistent. That's one of the. I guess that's one game where I was not happy with how Kahari was calling as an OC. Yeah, it, it, it always seems weird when teams go, "Hey, this is working for it. We're killing them with this." Oh, let's not do it anymore. You wonder <laughs> what it is that they're seeing because we're not seeing it as fans, and maybe they know more. But. If you had, if I had William Standback, I, I would. Uh, he's all day. It's all day. Oh, you stopped him for four yards. He's going to gas you for twenty-two the next play. Oh, you stopped him for minus one. He's going to hit you for fifteen. Let's let's just go with Willie because it was it was working. And I'm not the biggest fan of the running game, but it you have to take advantage of Standback. Yeah, I agree. Uh, going into the game, according to the uh, the. Uh, uh, the lines that I have here in front of me, Derek, we, uh, the Riders are actually a uh, a road favorite. They're favored by two and yeah. a half going into this game. So I think it started off around one, but I'm I'm very surprised that it's not gone up more considering the Alouettes quarterback situation. But um, how exactly? Do you, yeah. How, how do you see uh, if you were? I don't know if you choose choose game scores or not, but if uh, if not, how would you see this game ending up uh, when the clock strikes zero at the end of the fourth quarter? Uh, if if no uh, there is no Adams and if there's no standback, I, I just feel like this is it's not a it's not a super comfortable Riders victory, but I I just feel like Montreal's a good team, but that's too many weapons to take out of their offense. So so I feel like Saskatchewan by a touchdown yeah. would be fine. Mm-hmm. I don't think that two and a half points is enough. I don't, I I saw it I saw it a day ago at two and it hasn't moved as this, you know more and more news comes out. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't think that's enough because where's Montreal getting points from uh, unless Antonio Pipkin's you know, been holding it back or Kahari's figured out something for Pipkin in that time. Um, Saskatchewan's offense, I mean, Montreal's not a bad defense by by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, at saying that, they're, as I see, they're eighth in opponent's net offense. Uh, and, oh, my goodness, they're eighth in opponent's yards per play, too. Okay, well, I have to go back and watch some more. Uh, <laughs> well, I think, much I, I think it had to do with the Owls season. giving up. I think it was, what, four straight games of over 400 yards passing? So that, that kind of did it. I mean, it's, it's hard, yeah. to, hard to rebound from that in the stats when you give up that many yards in four games. Yeah, I don't think of them as that, as that bad on defense. So, you know, 
uh, Saskatchewan would seem prime for something in the high twenties against something in the in the middle teens. Just just to the way it's going to go. Beatty can hit fifty yard field goals, so maybe he pounds through a couple of those. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a long day without without two stars on offense. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Cliff, take us home. All right. Well, uh, this is going to be your first game uh, doing a play-by-play at uh, Percival Molson Stadium. Uh, hoping that uh, second, you... second. I did. I did a preseason game, Ottawa and uh, Montreal for TSN back in 2017. Oh my gosh! Well, I, I stand corrected. I was, I was so nervous that day. Oh my goodness! I couldn't even. Uh, I ate nothing that day, and Wayne Ford was trying to be, you know, trying to calm me down. I'm like, oh my god, 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 and then Ottawa. I, I had I had all my charts prepared for Ottawa. I'm like, yes, here's all my great Trevor Harris data, and look at these Greg Ellingson numbers, and all those guys were left in Ottawa. And I'm like, oh, okay, so Dominic Davis, and I don't know, I think it might have been Danny O'Brien or maybe Will Arch was on the roster at that time. I'm like, yep, this is going to be a long day. But that was the day I learned the name Dominic Rhymes. So, yeah, caught a little something from that. But So happy to get back to Montreal and have a couple days to uh, – to enjoy the city more than the quick in and out I did last time. All right. Well, uh, we're definitely looking forward to hosting you, uh, hosting the riders. And, uh, I think it's going to be a fun game no matter what, uh, how do, how do we, if, if people aren't following you already on social media and if not shame on you people, how, <laughs> how can people find you on the, uh, on the World Wide web? So, uh, I tweet at DT on SC. You can read a report from riders, uh, practice on 620 CKRM.com. And uh, I'll write pieces for Marshall Ferguson of TSN Radio has a, a great website, CF Perspective. So I'll do some more uh, numbers-heavy and data-heavy pieces on that. I had one on William Standback last week and just his ridiculous yards after contact and what he's been able to do. So those are, those are three ways to follow all my stuff. Nice. Well, it was uh, it was a, a pleasure meeting you verbally for the first time. Uh, we hope you enjoy the uh, uh, enjoy the uh, the atmosphere at Percival Molson for the second time. And as Cliff and I always always say, uh, for the three hours, we may hate each other, but after that, we can yeah. go sh- shake each other's hands and maybe have a beer. I like it. That sounds good. All right, man. Well, uh, all all the best, man. Greatly appreciated, and uh, uh, go Owls. take care guys later Uh, again thanks to uh, Derek for joining us on the pod this week great insight on uh, on the riders and what's uh, the matchup that we're going to be having this week uh, uh, versus the uh, versus the Saskatchewan Um, he brought up a very a lot of great points and uh, again it's uh, uh, it's going to be an interesting game to to say the least so um uh, I also want to remind everybody that we are on social media. There are multiple places where you can find us, but the best place you can find us uh, would be over on Twitter, and that would be at Alouette's FL Deck. You can also head over to our Facebook page um, and uh, check us out there. Uh, also, if you want to listen to the archives of uh, the Alouette's Flight Deck, you can do so by heading over to www.alouette'sflightdeck.ca, or you can head over to uh, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. Uh, so, Cliff, uh, we we've really gone into everything that we could talk with with Derek. Um, I don't know what much more there is to say for the uh, for for the game this week. Well, as I said, we we know what we're getting into as far as the opponent goes. I mean, Saskatchewan—they're a fun team to watch. They really are, and. 
they find ways to win, just like Montreal was finding ways to win when Vernems was a quarterback. Uh, again, I I think both these teams want this game really bad, and I think it's going to show. I think it's going to be a very entertaining contest. Uh, again, I, I think the key, though, is going to be at running back and at quarterback for the Alouettes, whereas with uh, Saskatchewan, like, are they going to be able to? They, they've been making plays happen, but are they going to be able to do that against this Montreal defense? That's going to be key right there, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I think this defense is going to be up to the challenge, as they have been over the past few weeks. Uh, I definitely expect them to make plays happen. Uh, I definitely expect them to get into Cody Fajardo's kitchen and 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 make his life a little bit miserable. Uh, really, it's it's going to come down to who's got it and who wants it the most. Like, who is going to be more prepared to play and that really truly is going to make all the difference in this game. Uh, the only thing I can really hope for now at this point is Pipkin gets it now. I hope he understands the severity of what's ahead of him. Uh, special teams, I hope learns how to tackle this week because uh, that's going to be kind of key. That's kind of crucial right now. That's kind of key. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. And uh, again, I just let the chips fall where they may. Uh, I, 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 again, I always love watching the Riders Alouettes games. They're always, for the most part, very entertaining. Whether they play in Regina or here in Montreal, it's always a fun matchup. And going all the way back to 2009-2010, that I won't call it a rivalry, but just that, uh, I guess a mini rivalry if you want to call it that. But uh, the way these two teams play each other has always made for very entertaining football. Mm -hmm. And I expect nothing less on Friday night. I expect to be entertained by both of these teams and that's all we can really hope for. Yeah. Uh, really, truly, I just I just want to see a good, entertaining game, as always. And, again, I, I definitely think that Montreal, I, I, I think they kind of took their eyes off the prize just a little bit uh, against the Ottawa Red Blacks this past Friday. I, I really hope this is what snaps them back into place. I, I hope, knowing that they had that game won and they let it slip through their fingers, I really hope that motivated them. I really hope that made them, uh, I guess, appreciate a little bit more what they had in the lineup and just make it work. That's the thing. Is just this team just has to make things work. They have to create opportunities and just make things happen against a what I again I'll say it again. It's a very good Saskatchewan Roughriders team. And man, I I'm just looking forward to seeing a good, exciting football game on Friday night. I hope so too. I hope so. I can't can't really uh, you know can't really help but ask ask for more. So um, real quickly, Cliff, uh, for those of you who didn't see, just go ahead and quickly give us what the transactions were over the wire for the uh, over the past couple of days. Let's go over the transactions this week thus far for the Montreal Alouettes. Yes, let's. <laughs> They've made some very interesting additions. Uh, the Alouettes have added uh, Jimmy Bean to the practice roster. Uh, is, is, he, is he the bit. cousin of Jimmy Dean? You know what? I I heard Jimmy Dean the first time. I like just reading his name. I heard Jimmy Dean, and he's a big boy too, like six foot five, two hundred fifty oh, pounds. So he's like, had his sausage. He's had some sausages. Yes. He's bulking up. Uh, Brandon Calver, unfortunately, uh, was uh, let go, uh, as as well as Brandon Bryant. Uh, they've again victims of the numbers game, unfortunately. Uh, really curious to see what Bean can do though, because uh, as I said, he's a very physically gifted uh, guy. Uh, he's played. Uh, uh, let's see, defensive end. Uh, he's uh, registered quite a few uh, quarterback sacks, uh, tackles. Uh, he's a he's the kind of guy that you need on on the defensive line. Like it's the kind of guy that can make make plays happen. Uh, not afraid to throw his weight around. Uh, like, these are the kind of players that you need on this team. And 
curious to see how that translates to the Canadian game. Uh, the Alouettes also added uh, a familiar friend to the uh, back of the lineup, uh, Frederick Plessius, who was uh, traded from Hamilton to Montreal a couple of years ago. Uh, was let go and uh, has been out of football for a little bit, but now he is back with the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, again, uh, always good to have a depth move. Uh, the guy has been a special teams demon over the past couple of years, and considering how the special teams played uh, last Friday, need all the help we can get, I think, at this point. So if he can go out there and he can start uh, throwing his weight around, trying to jostle a ball loose from a, a kick returner, I'm all for that. So uh, definitely good to see a former Rouge Or back in the LOS lineup. So I don't know if he'll be dressing this Friday, but uh, if so, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can uh, bring to the team again. And, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, your transactions in a nutshell. Cool. Cool. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, obviously we hope to see everybody out of the games this week. Uh, weather looks pretty good, uh, but probably high about 23 to 25 degrees from what we're seeing so far on the uh, on the Weather Network uh, uh, app uh, and the forecast. But uh, we'll see. And uh, are you going to be the same place that you were? I mean, you were, you were only one 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 uh, one level above for me, one row above for me. Will you be the same thing this week, Cliff? I believe so. I think that's where I'm. I'm at. Like again, I always got to represent Y one, so you know I'll be there. <laughs> course uh, so for everybody here at the alouette's flight deck for cliffy d i'm tim capper ron final approach thanks for listening find more great shows like this at cf pod network on twitter